podcast for those who suffer, which is everyone. It's a space where we can speak honestly about what it feels like to be in desolate places without losing hope. Welcome to In the Thicket. Hello to all of our old friends and hello to those of you who might be new listeners. So because some of you might not know all of us or maybe even if you do know all of us, you don't know a lot about our personal stories when it comes to suffering, we thought it might be good to dig into some of those things this year and to do an episode with each of us where we talk a little bit about some of the sufferings that we've experienced personally and why it was important to us to be part of this podcast, why we felt called to it. So this first episode of our stories is with Aaron Kinsella. That's me. And we talk about fibromyalgia and my experience with that, um, the experience of chronic pain and where the Lord can be found in it, the difficulties in it, and the hope that can still be there. All right. Hello, everybody. How's it going? Hey. Hi. Hi. Welcome to In the Thicket, all of you listeners. I'm Nicole Richard. We'll just do like a quick, you know, we didn't do this last episode, a little reef. This, you know, if this is your first time listening, um, I'm Nicole Richard. I am a university professor teaching music therapy in Nashville, Tennessee, but I am Canadian. And Rachel, who are you? I am Rachel <laughs> D'Souza. I um, am, I literally forgot who I am. Like, I was like, what? <laughs> like, I was like, I'm Rachel. And then I was like, what is my life? What do I say about my life? Um, because you know what? This That's is the reason so why I am also Canadian, but I've been in Texas for three months and currently I'm working full-time. I'm doing my master's full-time in theology and I'm working on my thesis and I think my brain is fried because my sister just mm-hmm. got married and it's just been so many things that are not normally my life that are my, have been my life for the last three months. That that's why I was like, what, I don't know who am I, what's happening, but yeah, nice. I'm a Canadian working on master's in theology, almost done. And we'll be going back to Canada in two weeks. Nice. Nice. All right. I am Erin Kinsella. I'm a consecrated virgin from the Archdiocese of Toronto, but I'm currently living in Ottawa. And that's all I really need to say, because the rest of the episode is all about me. Just no spoilers. Make sure you don't forget stuff about you like I just did, because then the episode's going to be real short. That's right. Ten minutes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I'm Erin. I am. We'll just do Godwink and then just sign off. That's yeah. Good. Good stuff. Um, okay. So I have a question for you ladies that has come up in my life recently in terms of, um, Mm. this is something that is, I I never realized that this is an important question, but it it, it is, um, is that how do you, how do you put your toilet paper in? Do you put it so that the toilet paper comes over, you know, or that you from under, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. So like under would be close to the wall. Like it's like Mm -hmm. the trailing end is close. You're pulling it and it's rolling away from you. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then over would be, you're pulling it and it's rolling towards you. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 So Aaron, you have to go first. No, I you have the contract, right. Okay. I have to go last because I have a particular piece of information that okay. is important to the, so, but you go first because you have a, okay. A I unique. have a, I have a very unique answer mm. to this question, which is that I don't care. Yeah, I know it's controversial. People are like, there's a right way. There's a wrong way. I'm like, I literally don't care. I just put it on and however it's on, I don't even think about it. That's Mm. a very, you know, maybe that just reveals that you're very skilled at you know, using the toilet paper from both directions, right. you know, and maybe Your not all ambi- of us toilet are. paper, like <laughs> yeah. ambidextrous, but like with toilet paper, exactly. Exactly. Ambi- paper. Right. I, have, 
I have many skills. It is not one I necessarily include on my resume, but I have it on hand just in case. Just nice. in case. I can handle good. any workplace with any kinds of toilet paper formulations. That's I'm great. Covered. Great. Yeah. You okay. are. Yeah, that's good. Nice. I think, okay. I am, I am actually like you, Rachel. I don't actually care which way it goes. However, <laughs> I have discovered that if it is over, mm-hmm. then when I'm trying to get the toilet paper and like, you know, and you try to, it's like stuck to itself and you're trying to like get mm-hmm. it, get it yes. going. Um, I like, I kind of maybe paw at it like a small child, <laughs> get it going, <laughs> you know, at first. And then what happens is, and I've been finding that some in my, my apartment here, the little like fasten, like, you know, there's the two side things and then there's yeah. the the part that the, the bar actual goes right? on the bar yeah. in between. Yeah. So one of the side things has been falling off. Like I've, it's, I've been like knocking it off like 10 times mm. a day. Well, maybe, you know, on the weekend, 10 times a day, but like almost every time I'm using it, it's falling oh, off. Man. And so um, yesterday I was, you know, trying to figure out why. And so, so Nathan was here and he's like, well, let's, you know, let's analyze this. Like, how do you, how do you uh, analyze this? <laughs> well, he didn't use that term, but that's, you know, how do you, like, what are you doing? Like, how are you touching the toilet paper roll that makes happen. I was like, well, like this. And he started laughing. You pawed it like a cat. (laughs) And I realized, yes, I do. That is exactly what I do. But if it's under, then I don't do that. I just, you know, pull it out like a normal person and rip it off and everything's fine. So I've realized like, I don't mind either direction, but for my own sanity. So I'm not like destroying toilet paper rolls across the world. I need to do it under. So that's, that's mine. Okay. Aaron, what about you? I will say, sorry, I do think that on average, as I'm like remembering, you know, my visits to the lavatory, I remember (laughs) that I think a lot of times, most times I think I do put it with closer to the wall. Like I do it under, I think most times. I don't know if that's, I don't know. Aaron, um, you're you're both toilet paper heretics. Uh, That is. There we go. Here we, here it is. All right. So have an opinion. This is my opinion. Uh, toilet paper should go over the top so it's closer to you. So there's a number of reasons for this. The first is that sometimes if there's static electricity, it can get stuck to the wall if it's mm. on the back. Oh, that's um, gross, And yeah. then that's gross. Like, especially really in gross. public places mm. or like, you know, stuff like that. Like, no, that's not acceptable. Um, and then the second part is that you can see, because I get what you're saying, Nicole, about it, like hanging down so you can, but it can sometimes get stuck, especially with static electricity, like on the back of it. And then if you're mm-hmm. rolling it back, it's like a little bit harder to see. Whereas if you, so here is mm. your antidote to your pawing thing. Cause I used to do that too. But if you roll it at this and then just Why? keep your thumb on the thing, then you'll get it every time. So it will. It so can I, can I just tell you something? We are human beings. We have these things. They're called thumbs. They're really the opposable really, digits. They're yes, very they're important. so okay. helpful. I just well, want you guys to know this. Okay. If you need to use them, they're there. They're there. They are there. Yes. Okay. No, but here is the most compelling piece of evidence. So, okay. And for me personally, I will change the toilet paper roll. Like even if I'm at another person's wow. house, I will like oh. turn it. <laughs> no, that's not. Okay. I'm just I kidding. Not a, at okay. another person's mm-hmm. house, but Kelly the most compelling. That, just so she, everyone knows. Okay. Yeah. She said that. Um, so the most compelling piece of evidence is that I, I think it might've been Robin D'Souza. Um, so you guys know Robin, but anyways, I, I'm pretty sure that I was either her or somebody else looked up the patent for toilet paper oh. and on the patent, it specifies that it goes over. Over. The, the, so I am re- being a traditionalist. I am wow, in you're being favor. Very orthodox. 
I am. Of, wow. Of sticking with the original intent Ooh. of the creator of Toilet Paper Rolls. Amazing. Wow. So, amazing. It's yeah. got okay. so much more intent than I <laughs> but thought it listen, ever would. Listen, I have another I have another thought. This is the thing is all of us, none of us have children. Okay. But, Mm. um, I grew up in a large family with five children. I'm the oldest. So I was around children a lot. And if you are a parent and you have young children, you must put your toilet paper, the behind way, the way that Aaron is railing against, because if not your children with their little pawing hands will come and they will think it's a game and unroll the entire thing of toilet paper. Ah. And so this was, you know, that's, that's the downsides. If you have young children, right. You're, you're, you it know, depends on how destructive your kids are, though, because my nephew could destroy <laughs> this it is either way. Bait. Guys, either I'm way. the moderator here. Question, Aaron. Um, <laughs> I don't have one, actually. I was like, I'm kind oh, of out of the toilet good. paper questions, but wow, yeah. have I okay. learned a lot. So I mean, we should <laughs> put this actually, though, on like Instagram, do like a poll at some point yes. during the during the week um, and see what your preference is for toilet yes. paper. I think that's but important. also and why, you know, I want to know the reason behind right. it because yeah. people have good people have strong preferences or no preferences mm-hmm. but That's there's right. seems yeah. a reason there has to be a good reason yeah so. all right wow yeah. well anyway i'm so enlightened uh, thanks everybody thanks ladies <laughs> uh if you're listening to this feel free to you know drop us a message and let us know you know what is the right way to really have your toilet paper okay um we are doing a new thing on our podcast where we interview one of us at a time, which is cool because, you know, I think this came out of, we want us, we're, we have this podcast about suffering, you know, and some of you may hear us talking and I mean, we share some stories, but you want to know what authority do these people have to talk about suffering? So we want to prove to you that we that's actually right. do suffer in our lives sometimes. <laughs> that's not really what it's about anyways. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to talk, um, but yeah, I want to share our stories with you and, uh, and just connect with you in that way. So today we're going to be talking to Erin, um, about her journey with fibromyalgia. So, um, I have questions written down here and I'm going to read them off verbatim. So question number one, Erin, <laughs> For this interview, who are you? Where are you from? What is the general background of your life? Excellent. So, so funny. Okay. So just also for people to know, it will be not like one, two, three in a row that we do the the interviews with each other, but they'll all be this season, but at different points during this season. So just if you get confused with next week's episode. Um, That's right. Okay. So who am I? Uh, Well, I am Canadian. I was born to uh, a dad who worked for the RCMP and, or who was an RCMP officer. And then a mom who is a nurse. So they met in Northern, like rural Manitoba, which is pretty fun, but they're both from Ottawa. So we moved around a lot when I was younger. Um, I didn't have, uh, so where am I from? Like kind of Ottawa, because that's where my family is like originally from um, and where we are now, but I've been kind of all over the country, which has been really fun. Um, and, and you live uh, a lot of your life in Nova Scotia, right? Hence you have a little bit of the Nova Scotia flair yes, in your speaking this voice. Is, this is a true. little bit of an accent. This is true. Yeah. So like we're going, um, out and about, um, yeah, we're going far in the car. 
<laughs> That's fair. Yeah. It was junior high and high school that I lived in Nova Scotia and then I went to Dalhousie University. Um, yeah. So I did, uh, I did a degree in microbiology and immunology with a um, kind of specializing in virology, which is coming in super useful now, um, which is great to sort through all the information about COVID, which is awesome. Uh, and then I did, um, I went down to the States. Uh, to study the virus that I was studying was called Crimean Conchohemorrhagic Fever Virus, which is kind of similar to Ebola. Um, oh. And they had a level four lab in the States that was just starting up. So I went to start doing my PhD there, but then everything kind of fell apart, which uh, like my supervisor, terrible, like I got sick. It was like really hard. But um, but the gift of that is that I had not, I didn't have a personal relationship with the Lord, even though I grew up Catholic, um, but I just didn't kind of know him, you know, I knew maybe some things about him, but a lot of what I knew about him was also incorrect. So mm. um, I ended up coming back to Ontario and I had this really powerful kind of conversion and, um, yeah. And then I started like, it's like everything looks different after that, you know, like you're seeing everything through this new lens when you like meet the Lord in this personal deep way. So then I started working for the church and I did some youth ministry, did some, uh, young adult ministry. I worked for the Archdiocese of Winnipeg, which is how I met Nicole and her family. Uh, and then right. I came and for the last eight years, uh, I was, well, except for this last year, I was working at the Newman Center at the University of Toronto, which is campus ministry. So that's kind of the background. Cool. All right. Thank you, Erin. That's mm-hmm. so your life is cool. You've been like doing all sorts of different things, like crazy. Almost finished a PhD in virology and then campus minister and lived in all over the place. Anyways, you're cool. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> Let's keep going here. So, Erin, can you tell us about fibromyalgia? So, what is fibromyalgia? And then how did you receive your diagnosis? Yes. So fibromyalgia is such a weird thing. Like even to talk about it, it's like, um, it's kind of elusive, like it's kind of neuromuscular. So, um, it's where your body senses pain where there's no actual damage. So like normally you would feel pain because your nerves are, are there, in a part of your tissue that's damaged, right? So like you yeah. cut yourself, your nerves are there to tell your body that there is pain because there is a danger to you. You've been cut, whatever, right? Like that's normally how it works. But with fibro, um, it's like your body feels pain, especially in your joints and muscles, um, where there's actually no damage. So, uh, it's a disorder of like a pain disorder, but then also it comes with some other really fun things like, uh, disabling fatigue, um, a disposition towards migraines. So often people with fiber will have, uh, migraines, um, things like heat and cold sensitivity, uh, and difficulty sleeping. Um, and then there's this thing called fibro fog. So part of the difficulty sleeping is like, um, people with fibro generally don't go into deep sleep. Like, you know how you have those periods of deep mm-hmm. sleep in your cycle. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of yeah. where there's, where there's a lot of, um, like refreshing sleep and that, that is often minimal or, or not there in, in people who have fibromyalgia. And, um, 
And then there's also this thing called fibro fog, which is kind of like, uh, I explain it to people, like if you have low blood sugar, you know that feeling when you have low mm. blood sugar, yeah. where it's like, it's almost like mm. your brain stutters and you can't, like sometimes you can have trouble getting out a sentence or like you just are so kind of like out of it that it's like you can't focus on anything. It feels like things are going in like slow motion. It's like, a, yeah, Nicole's nodding because she definitely knows that that's I'm like, just, I'm very sensitive to like the movements of my body. And so yeah. I, if I haven't eaten in a proper amount of time, yeah. or I don't know if I don't have a not eating healthy, I will get this brain fog. I've literally just forgotten mm-hmm. my friend's names before. Yeah. Know? So, so it's right. like, yeah. yeah, just that. Brain exactly. Fog. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like that. Um, and yeah, so it's re- it's difficult to focus on cognitive tasks, stuff like that. So that's kind of what fibromyalgia is and what it's like. And it also goes through, um, like you can have mild or moderate or severe fibromyalgia. It can go from like just be having like kind of mild pain and a little bit of fibro fog or some of the symptoms to like completely debilitating where um, where people are not actually able to walk or um, or to really move around. Um, and, uh, there was something else I was going to say about it. Oh yeah. And you go through kind of flares. So if you're in a flare, it's like your symptoms are a lot worse and then you can kind of come out of a flare. And sometimes a flare can be like, it takes a while to figure out what triggers a flare. So for example, it could be triggered by too much cognitive activity where if you're in front of a computer for six hours, then it will trigger a flare. And then, you know, you won't be able to move for a few days or, um, often it's from, like too much physical exertion. So, um, yeah, I'll share a little bit about how I figured out I had fibro and that will kind of illustrate it, but I had a bike fall in April of 2016. And after that, I kind of like, I felt really hard on the, the pavement and, um, after that, I had a lot of pain like immediately in my right side because that was where I fell and I had like a shoulder sprain, a wrist sprain, elbow sprain. Um, it was so bad that I had to go home and ask my roommate to help me take off my clothing because I couldn't take it off. And then we actually went to Jamaica shortly after that for, uh, for a mission trip. And I had like my arm was in a sling with that. And I had to get the girls to like brush my hair and <laughs> it was just, it was rough. But after that, even after that, the pain kind of still stayed. And I noticed I was having like joint pain and um, yeah, like feeling really fatigued. And I kind of wrote off, Nicole and I were joking about this because it's Nathan, Nathan's birthday and he has a sore back today. And it's like, oh, this is getting older, you know? But I felt kind of like, okay, I'm starting to like get older. I'm in my early thirties. And I don't know, this is just must be what happens when you get older is you start hurting in your joints and stuff like that. Um, but after like a long while, it wasn't going away. And I had, um, joined good life cause we had gotten a corporate membership for the archdiocese finally. So I was like super excited. I was going to the gym, um, probably like, like at least three or four times a week. And, um, and it, you know, when you go to the gym for the first time after a long time, and then it's like, you cannot walk, Mm -hmm. right? Like Mm -hmm. you don't Mm -hmm. trust yourself to go downstairs because you're like, I'm not sure. (laughs) Things are happening. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) A little shaky. Yeah. 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 So like the first time I went to like a body pump class where it Mm. was like, I actually had to, I was in Ottawa at the time, I think for Christmas. And I had to call my work, the Newman center and tell them that I was going to be delayed coming back to Toronto because I physically could not walk. Like I had to lower myself down onto the 
the toilet was like a excruciating. Like a, oh my gosh, it was so bad. Anyways, I just thought I overdid it, whatever. But um, that kind of feeling of like having just such drastic kind of muscle pain and whatever, even after going for like a couple of months to the gym was still there. And I was like, this mm-hmm. is not normal. Like mm-hmm. there's something that's very weird about this. Um, so I went to the doctor and we kind of ruled out some blood work stuff, things like that. And then he suggested like, well, maybe it could be fibromyalgia. Um, so let's send you to a specialist. And I ended up getting to see this specialist this is a great story. So he, he was literally an octogenarian when I went like over in his eighties, he was still practicing mm-hmm. medicine. Um, and his office was super funny. I walked in and there was just like, there was a receptionist there, but she wasn't his receptionist. And there was like a sign on the, on the um, wall that just said, like, knock on the wall if you're here to see Dr. So-and-so. Oh, my gosh. Uh, was, that was his receptionist. What? It was a knock on the wall system? Yeah, knock That's on the great. wall. Like, That's because there was great. another doctor. I think she was his. Anyways, so I went okay. into the thing, but it was very clear, like, that he had hearing issues and he did not, he was having trouble hearing me. So I'm telling him verbally my whole medical history. And he kept being like, hey, speak up. Um, <laughs> like, oh, so my I'm goodness. Yelling my <laughs> medical history at him. And I'm sure all the people in the waiting room were like, what the heck? Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was so great. Anyways, but he did diagnosed me with fibromyalgia. It was mild at the time is what he classified it as. But over time, like I've always had kind of, you know, issues with weight and with the stuff that I can eat, I'm super sensitive to things and my body just retains, it just retains fat. So I gained a little bit of weight and then I ended up having a hysterectomy for um, endometriosis. And after that, in that seven months after that, I gained like almost a hundred pounds in, in about seven months, which is like crazy. And so for me, that was like, that was a real trigger for the fibromyalgia and, um, and it took it from being kind of mild to moderate fibromyalgia to more severe fibromyalgia. So I started really having, um, a lot of issues with joint pain and, but the fatigue for me is what was the most debilitating. And I've said this before, but there were, there were some days where I, I had to choose between showering or eating. Like I had enough energy to do one and I was living on my own. So I started having to have kind of get cleaners to come in and clean because I, I couldn't clean mm-hmm. my joints were so sore when I would be walking, like after a day of work, you know, walking around or whatever, I would lay in bed at the end of the day. And I had so much pain in my legs that I would have to put like, take, um, like Tylenol and Advil and, you know, put some like ice them, uh, or put heat on them or things like that. And it was like that throbbing kind yeah. of pain mm-hmm. that is, mm-hmm. you know, so that um, was really affecting my sleep because I would wake up in the middle of the night with pain. Um, and yeah, and that fatigue was really difficult. And then um, the fibro fog as well got really difficult too. And so I was, I, this is another part of the story, but during that time, like during that whole time, I was in formation for consecrated virginity. And I had kind of, you know, discerned this vocation, which is similar to like, it's part, it's religious life. Um, and you're considered, you know, a spouse of Christ, but different from being a religious sister in the sense that you don't live in community. Um, you don't wear habits. You are a 
a consecrated virgin living in the world. That's what the the rite of consecration is for. Uh, and so in that time, I, I had come to this place where the diocese said, like, yes, we think you're ready to receive the consecration. And I was super pumped. And I ended up receiving it on um, the 14th of September in 2019, which is the Feast of the Exaltation of the Holy Cross, which is really beautiful. Um, but then after that, I... I went into a really bad flare. So it was a couple of months where I had to take a lot of time off work and I was just too tired to really do anything at all. Um, and it started to get better for a while. And then in the new year, I had to take a little bit more time off from work. Uh, and then it got better for a little while. And I was thinking, okay, maybe I can kind of live with this if I, I'm learning more about fibro and how to modify and how to avoid triggers and things like that. Um, and so we went into the next school year. So for campus ministry, like September, August, September is like a crazy time of year, super intense. And I had kind of planned really well and was trying to pace myself and, you know, make things as easy for myself as possible. But I got about a week into orientation stuff and I was like, I can't, like, I'm just, I, I can't do this anymore. Um, so through talks with my employer and, um, and the diocese, I ended up going on long-term disability. So that's kind of currently been what I'm doing. Um, and I moved back to Ottawa with my family because I don't have the capacity to, to like clean well, or even cooking for myself and things like that. Like it's really helpful to have my dad cooks all the time. So it's nice to have them feed me and, and just to be here with them. Like I really love being with my family. So that really is a gift for me. Um, yeah, but that's kind of where where it's been now for the last year or so. Yeah. How how is your pain now, Erin? Like I know like mm-hmm. so you've learned a lot more and you've changed your circumstances to try to alleviate some of the stress. Not I don't mean like mental stress, I mean just like the the physical stresses that were on your body when you're living on your own, you're working mm-hmm. all those kinds of things. Has that improved? Like how are you feeling these days? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I started uh, swimming for probably the last three quarters of a year or something, which has been really good because I found before that that I couldn't do really any exercise because it was too hard on my joints or on my body and it would it would just put me into flares. Um, but swimming has been good because it's it's a like a zero impact exercise pretty much. Right. Um, so I've been able to do that, uh, which has been really helpful. And so that helps a little bit with, um, with like the stiffness and, and the pain that comes with it. Um, so I would say like a normal pain for me is, um, if I can compare it to like, you know, if you, if you do lots of exercise or something like that and, um, you sit down for a while and then you get up and you feel it like Mm. your legs or your knees are like, Ooh, I feel a bit creaky now, you know, like yeah. that's pretty normal for me yeah. all the time. Okay. So mm. it's every time I get up, um, that hurts. So right now, one of the things that like I did a, a pain clinic. So if somebody is, um, experiencing kind of chronic pain right now, I would definitely recommend asking your doctor to get you connected with a pain clinic because they have lots of programs and there, a lot of them are actually based on, um, like psychotherapy or, or like things that are aside from trying to treat your physical pain, but mm-hmm. just be able to, um, to know how to, 
like view it, you know, how to, how to live with chronic pain. Um, and so one of the things that we would do through that is like a body scan. So if I'm doing a body scan right now, I'm like sitting here in my chair and I'm thinking about like my head, I have a little bit of a headache, but not really bad. It's kind of like there off and on a lot of the time. And if I go down, my neck is okay today. I can feel my shoulders. They're really tight. And especially my right shoulder, I have some, um, some pain, um, both of my elbows. I'm having some joint pain today in my hands. They feel very tight and, um, stiff. And if I move them around a lot, like I can feel the, like they feel big, you know, where if you have some swelling and if I keep going down my back, my lower back, I have some pain, my hips, I can kind of feel, uh, a lot of discomfort, there and then both of my knees I have pain and then my ankles and feet I feel pain and my toes I can feel feel a little bit numb because I'm so sensitive to cold and it's really cold out in Ottawa right now so that like comes out you know so that's kind of like a normal state for me and then if it gets worse so if I have um, like a flare of some kind then uh, I can have trouble walking. Like it's, it's really painful to, to walk. So I'll have to take frequent breaks, but I also need to do things like change my seating position frequently, because if I'm in one place for too long, then it exacerbates, it exacerbates it. Um, and then it's the fatigue. Like I find the fatigue for me is worse in flare times and the pain gets actually oddly a little bit better in mm. flare times. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and then it's like the opposite, you know, so like in normal times, the pain is there and it's pretty constant, but the fatigue will be a little bit less. And the fatigue is the hardest part, honestly, for me to deal with sometimes because it's, it's just so like, it's like from the depths of your bones you mm. know, and you can't, do, and fatigue. you're a doer like that's, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You're not like a me. I'm like, Oh, I'll just lie down and binge watch. <laughs> 10 shows in a week and I'm good, you know, like you, you're a doer. So I feel like if you're a doer, that's just so much harder because you want to be up and you want to be doing stuff and mm -hmm. you can't be. And that's, that's a, that's, that's hard. You know? Yeah. 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 How is, you know, uh, I want to ask you about how your faith and how your relationship with Jesus is, you know, sort of weaves in and out of all of this stuff. But I'm also wondering kind of what Rachel was touching on, like knowing you, having known you for like, I don't know what, 15 years or something like that. Yeah. That's crazy. I, I know. Right. Um, but it's like, you're, you're one of the most energetic and outgoing and like active people that I've known. Like that's always, always how I think of you. And now, you know, for you to be experiencing this, like, how has that been, you know, on the kind of that that personality or emotional or psychological side of things, you know? Mm, yeah. Yeah. That, um, there was a time when I, when I kind of experienced that first really big flare in the months after my consecration, um, that was one of the most kind of soul crushing sufferings that I have ever experienced in my life. And it was exactly that. Like it was because I, I talked about this actually with somebody else who who had been experiencing some kind of chronic pain and fatigue for a while, and it, it was like being in this place where I know that God has given me gifts for certain things, right? Like for whatever leadership or or just I don't know joy or whatever, like whatever it might be. 
and um, and not being able to use them at all, which I think was the most excruciating for me because mm-hmm. those gifts, like using those gifts brings me life. Like it mm-hmm. brings great joy and, you know, all of that. And so not be, feeling like I was doing nothing was um, like, I felt like a shell of the person that I was before, you know? Right. Um, yeah. And it, it was a big thing for me to come to a place like I have come to like a much deeper kind of peace and um, an acceptance, I think, of my own limitations. And a lot of that has come in a couple of ways. So one is one is that there's been like the Lord has accomplished this shift in my heart of my own um, worth and value. And he severed a lot of what was tied to what I was able to do. So certainly there was a big part of me that, um, that saw my self-worth in my ability to do things and to accomplish things and be organized and like get a lot done and all of those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that had to change. Like he, he has had to do a lot of work, um, in my heart on that. And then I think the other part is, um, is even in just accepting my limitations and accepting littleness where I know that I'm naturally big. So that's Mm -hmm. like a, like I have a big personality. I have like big ambitions, big drive, big passions, like all of those kind of things. Um, and, and so a lot of what's happened in the last year or two has been coming to this place where, where, um, I have to trust that those things are not what he needs in that way for me or for other people. Yeah. Um, which is, which is hard, you know? Right. Like a shift of identity, right? If you've seen yourself, mm-hmm. I am this person, I do this, this is what I offer to the world. And now yeah. that's been taken away. And then the Lord's saying, well, that's actually not what I need from you now. I'm, I'm calling you to something else, mm-hmm. something like that. Yep. I, yeah. I always think of, um, the, this uh, scripture passage, which classic, I have no idea where it's from. Maybe it's not. You know, sometimes <laughs> can I be super like embarrass myself a whole ton right now because I'm literally studying theology, and there have been like at least a few times in my life where I've said something that's like, "Is that in scripture?" And they're like, "That's not even in scripture. That's just like a saying." And I'm like, "What the?" That's like, Matthew Kelly. Yeah, exactly. Bishop Barron. You know? Yeah, that's so, Hallmark. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's right. Uh, but the 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 idea that you know we have to work out our own salvation in fear and trembling. Mm. And like that, that is actually our primary, like, okay, big on, I'm big on evangelization. Like the church is a church on mission 100%. Mm. But I think that our identity as missionary has to come from that place. Like that I'm called Mm. to work out my salvation in fear and trembling. And, Mm -hmm. and what that means is up to God in a way, like I have to discern what that mission is to look how it is to look like, depending mm-hmm. on what God is saying to me. And, and I think that it's, it can be such a, a lie sometimes that the devil gives us that, that we are supposed to be missionary in a particular way. And it's supposed to look like mm. one thing that we're used mm-hmm. to it looking right. like, and then our whole life gets wrapped up into that thing instead of getting wrapped up and I'm not saying that that is what you did. Aaron, no, that's I don't. totally what I, what it was for me. A hundred percent. You know what? That that's it for all of us. So I guess that's what I meant. Yeah. To a certain degree, we all have that, whatever it is that we, and sometimes it's even relationships. Like for me, it's relationships. Yeah. Like I, if anyone knows me, they know that I'm like obsessed with my family. I love my family to death. 
But even my family who, and they would support me in saying this, like they are not God, you know, like even my closest relationships, my, my closest friends, the people that I treasure the most in a way, it's not that I, if I let go of them, it's because I don't care about them. It's that if I root myself in the Lord, they, all of those relationships will be more fruitful. There will be mm-hmm. more love. I will have more to give to those people and those places in ways that I may not understand. And mm-hmm. I feel like that is kind of the leap of faith that you've taken with the Lord, Aaron, just being like, okay, what really makes sense in a human capacity, if anyone knows you is mm-hmm. what you're saying. Like you have like a myriad of gifts, like so many. And for the Lord to say to you, like, I want you to, you know, be home. And I want you to not use these gifts in all of these different ways. It just doesn't make any sense. Mm. But then it's like, well, okay. It doesn't make sense to us, but he, he is to have faith that he is doing something better with you and who you are and serving the church in this way is an act of faith, you know? Yeah. It's like, um, yeah. When you're saying that, I'm like, yeah, that's, like things that have been kind of clarified in the last couple of years. One is that it is my vocation to pray. Like Hmm. it is my vocation to be consecrated. Like I, um, my spiritual director said this, like, isn't it nice that you don't have to continually offer yourself to the Lord, you know, consciously because you are an offering to the Lord always by virtue of your consecration. Hmm. And I'm like, that is that to me has been transformative even and even the fact that that the lord has made a way for me to be faithful he's made it easy in a sense for me to be faithful to my vocation of which is prayer and being his primarily and that's what everything else springs from by making it the only thing that i can do mm-hmm. and like that sometimes mm-hmm. that off like i can't sometimes i can't pray because the the cognitive whatever like i can't pray in the in the way of of like, you know, sitting and meditating and listening to him and yeah, yeah. yeah, Or things like that, because I just, my, my brain capacity is like, I just can't. So even in that, that he's, that it's like in those times he's highlighting that it's not what I'm doing, but that it's who I am in him. That is the thing that I, that he's bringing fruit from. Um, and I've seen, like, I have seen my sufferings when I offer them with him transform, like transform the lives of my, my family members or other things. And I know that it's, that there is a grace there, that there is a deep grace. And I know too, that he has given me a mission in suffering and which is sounds so crazy when I say it, but even the past couple of weeks, like he has like really confirm that and sounds like you know sometimes when like the saints will say like Pisces like you know like the Lord I'm a victim and sac victim soul for the Lord and like I don't feel like like that um like I don't feel like I'm on the same level of that but I feel like there's like something of what he's doing in me that that is that if that makes Mm -hmm. sense you know like um and the gift and part of it too, I think it makes even sense with the things that he, that brought me live before, like, I don't know, like speaking or teaching or talking about the things of the faith in a way that might make them be appealing to people or that might like 
highlight these elements of truth or depth or things like that. And there is, um, there's something of that in suffering that I think is a hugely important thing for mm. all Christians now, because, because if you look at the state of the culture, like there are not easier times that are coming for Christians. There are times of much more sacrifice and much more, um, much greater suffering, I think. But I don't think that we're prepared to. I was not prepared to. I was not prepared for this, for the kind of sufferings that have been part of my life in the last few years. Um, but but the depth of my relationship with the Lord and the sense of his his like goodness and the the goodness of suffering, even if I can say that like um in that way, like I the beauty of it and the gift of it, I never would have expected. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that, I mean, it's not separable, right? Like the cross is not separable from the resurrection. The cross is not separable from life in, from life in Christ. Um, so I feel like the Lord has invited me in some small way into that mission of um, tying it to evangelization and helping to invite other people in, into that, if that, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Like it's, you have, you've been in the sense you've been prepared and knowing how to communicate truth to people um, Mm -hmm. for this. And now this truth that you're living in suffering, what does it mean to be suffering and living that deeply? You're, you're able to, I mean, in this podcast and stuff and and different things that you're doing, I know projects and stuff like to be able to communicate those truths. I wonder, Erin, would you share with us just like you're kind of mentioning some of the fruits of what you've been Mm -hmm. going through or things that the Lord has been doing in this? wonder if you'd share something yeah, about that. Sure. Um, so I think some fruits are like even tangible fruits. Like my, uh, my sister, she's had a really rough time uh, in suffering in the last couple of years. And we talked about that on, on, you know, another episode of um, When Loved Don't Suffer. So you can listen to that if you want. Uh, but I can see with, with her on, um, when, when, like we've been able to talk about suffering a little bit and what it means and to have, to learn more about that element of redemptive suffering and that suffering is not meaningless has been huge for her. So to know that she can offer her sufferings for my aunt Pat, who is dying, that she can do, has brought this sense of like, like driving futility out the door, which then allows hope and allows all of these things. So that's like a concrete thing that, um, that I've seen. And then I think fruits, I think fruits for, for me, um, it's been like, it's been a gift in my own life, partly because, um, there's like an intimacy with the Lord that is, that has grown through suffering. Like if you think about Jesus on the cross, like the most like defenseless and vulnerable that he, that he ever was, was when he was, you know, on, on the cross really. Um, and to kind of be with him in, in that vulnerability and in that, in that, um, in that pain is, it's like a very special place because, because it's like being there with him in the the moment that he's saving the world, you know, like in his, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but other fruits, I think, um, one is I'm still a very impatient person. Like that is <laughs> certainly something that the Lord is still working on in me. 
Um, but I think it's brought a fruit of, of like understanding people more or, or Mm -hmm. thinking that if I have like, this is my story, you know, of suffering and whatever, and realizing that, that, um, when people are acting in some way that it's from pain or from disorder or from something, you know, like, um, so I feel like it's increased my compassion for, for other Mm -hmm. people in a lot of ways, which is, which has also been really good because then I can love people a little bit more like Jesus loves people, you know, like without condition. So those have been some things I think. Mm. And honestly, some of your story overlaps with us entering into the Exodus 90 group that we've talked about before. Mm. That was kind of the, yeah, that was the time to this whole, you know, and I think, I, I think at that time we were all going through different kinds of things that, we're not, we're out of our control that were really deep struggles and, and difficult times for us. And I think there is, um, there's a, a, a depth of relationship that we were blessed with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that if you hadn't been going through that suffering, we wouldn't necessarily have, have been really good friends. Cause we would have been, and we are, and, you know, but it's different, you know, it's a different when you like walk with each other in the midst of suffering. And I think that that is a gift that God gives all of us. And we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. It's always, it's like privilege to really be a part of somebody else's journey in that the cross and resurrection, you know, mm-hmm. part of it. And I, I think Marie had sister Miriam on, she said like, that is everybody's life has, has, you know, it sort of cycles through the life of Jesus. Like, you know, you, his cross and resurrection, mm-hmm. his passion and glory, like that is, Though that's the cycle that all of our lives kind of pass through mm. multiple times, like often, like right. many little crosses and resurrections and all these things. And to be on that cycle with someone, you know, to be in that journey with somebody is a very great privilege and blessing. And, and it, it's a little taste, I think, I don't know. I think it really is a little tiny, tiny, tiny taste of what heaven must be like. There's no cross mm-hmm. in heaven, but that depth of companionship that you experience Mm -hmm. is really an experience of the body of Christ. That's, it's so special. And unlike when, you know, you're going just through nothing, like like ordinary Mm -hmm. life or whatever, you know, just kind of surface level relating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 No, it's good. And Jesus has his wounds, like even in the resurrection, you know, Mm -hmm. like he come, he comes as the resurrection, as the resurrected Christ with his, with his wounds still, you know, um, Which I don't know why, like that speaks so powerfully to me too, because it's not like when I get to heaven, my body will be restored. I will be able to run and do Zumba classes. I know it's not what heaven is. I know that it's not just like a perfected earth. It's not a giant good life, (laughs) Erin. But it's true. But there will be like a restoration, you know? And, And so like... I think that's also important for me to say is that the one of the fruits of how I I know that the Lord is doing good things right now is um, is that it's not without hope. Like I'm not mm. in despair and I'm not hopeless. Mm, like, yeah. which is I mean that's the thing that's totally inexplicable to me. Is right. and people have said that before too. Like that I had that there's like that there's something about the joy that I have that's, that is like, 
kind of inexplicable in a, right. in a way, you know, like if you marry it with, um, with that kind of chronic suffering, um, yeah, I don't even know where I was going with that, but see, so you guys get yeah. to witness fibro brain right up and I love it. <laughs> no, that's so true though. That's good. The joy of the Lord. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think I've experienced that too, just in, in some of the most difficult periods of my life, those have been the times where I have felt experience joy I'm like this literally makes no sense and it's it's a it was faith right like to experience that and realize oh god is just with me and I'm not even able to do anything right now god is just with me so Mm -hmm. that's beautiful yeah yeah um any before we wrap up here any words Erin that you want to share with you know any I don't know folks who are going through chronic pain of some sort whether it's fibro or due to something else yeah I would say um, one of the hardest things has been being as gentle with myself as the Lord is with me. Mm. Um, Like he is much more gentle with me and much more patient and much more kind than I am with myself. So I think that would be a thing that I could maybe share with people if they're going through a chronic illness is, um, is to watch out for places where they might be expecting more of themselves than the Lord is expecting of them. Um, I don't know, like even just to give an example, it's like, I pretty much am an awful friend. If I look at it from like a regular perspective, like I don't, sometimes I find it hard to text. I find it hard to like talk on the phone because I find that really weirdly like tiring for and triggering for some reason, you know? Um, but, uh, so like maintaining friendships, like being proactive and whatever, which means that I often wait until people come, come to me or, um, or like, there's a lot of misunderstanding about chronic illness, you know, that, um, that if I can't come to something or if I flake on something, or if I'm not in touch with somebody for a long time or things like that, like people will often see that in the light of like normal interactions. Mm -hmm. And in that light, it's like totally crappy, like to, you know, you wouldn't treat somebody like that, but in the light of chronic illness, it's like, um, you're doing the best you can. Kind yeah, of you're totally doing the best you can. And so to ask more of myself in that time is not what the Lord is asking me. And so I have to trust that actually the Lord is going to provide for those relationships and those friendships and that um, like all of those kind of things. So so that would be the other thing that I could say to people too, is to is to like come back to those touch points that help you to trust in the Lord, like just to trust that he can care for and can do all the things that you're not able to to do and that it gets better over time. Like it gets better over time to be able to, mm. to trust it does. Yeah. That's I just want to say that like, I have none of those issues. I do not have chronic pain or fatigue or anything like that. And I still think that per, uh, like per week, you probably have at least one day that is like way more productive <laughs> than my, like there's at least like on you might still be beating me on productivity. And then also Uh, like, I'm probably just as bad as you, if not worse with all of my texting and emails and stuff like that. So, you know, (laughs) I just want to say you're doing good because some of us have zero excuses and are totally (laughs) tanking. So I know there's at least one other person out there that relates to what I'm saying right now, but yeah, that's (laughs) super funny. You're you're ahead of the game for some, for some, that's great. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. 
That's good. Sweet. Yeah. It's like the threshold for, um, you know, yeah. extroversion and productivity and connection was like super high before. And now it's lowered now quite a bit for you, Erin, and you're feeling yes. it, but all of us were like, okay, now you're Just like the work. rest of us, you yeah, know, yeah, now yeah, we yeah, don't yeah, feel yeah. so bad. <laughs> that's right. Anyway. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Accurate. That's good all right. Well, thanks Erin for sharing mm. all the stuff. Erin for sharing. Yeah, there you go. I do have um, the God wink for this week, actually. So. Yeah, this is great. So you can finish this yeah, off. Yeah, so you get to just listen to my voice some more. Um, it's a pretty, it's a pretty good one. It's uh, pretty quick. So my uh, sister, something happened with their car. And this is an example of prayer, you know. So I was like asking the Lord, like, oh my gosh, it could be something big because it was transmission stuff that was going on. So, like that could be expensive. Anyways, it turns out that it's still under warranty. It wasn't the transmission. It was like something else or whatever. Um, but they needed to keep the car for a few days days. And so not only did God, you know, provide through the thing because it was under warranty, this like rental car for them, but he provided the rental car. It's a suburban, like massive, (laughs) you know what I mean? So I was just, I was super laughing at that because I'm like, okay, Lord, like you're not, it's like a thing of like, see, this is, you could trust. It's okay. I'm like taking care of things. It wasn't anything that was expensive. And then he is like overabundance of like, like, it looks like a mafia, like hit man. It's black. It's massive. Bulletproof. Uh, yeah, that's probably, great. Probably with great. like tinted windows and it's like, like anyway. basically a stretch limo or something. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> that just amazing. made me laugh, you know? Oh, I love like, that. Awesome. That's, that's yeah. good. That's good. Praise God. Awesome. Mm-hmm. <sighs> cool. Well, well folks, thanks already... for joining us. Yeah, they know Erin more. Yeah. yeah. A little bit more. Yeah. She's awesome. Stay tuned. We'll, Rachel and I will share our stories in the coming months. Yeah. So, yeah. Excited yeah, for that. That's good. Thank you for joining us for this episode of In the Thicket. If you like what you hear, give us a rating and hit that subscribe button. We have new episodes every Monday with more stories and honest conversations about life when the going gets rough and the hope and humor amidst it all. We'd love for you to join our community on Instagram and Facebook at In the Thicket Podcast. While you're there, let us know how we can pray for you. God bless and see you next week.